Hey everyone, welcome back. Tonight's stories are a little bit different than what I usually do. I know a lot of you don't like these kinds of stories, so if you want to avoid this one, totally cool. I'll be back to the usual realistic stories tomorrow. I did want to mention though, these stories, <laughs> they're pretty far-fetched, and I won't blame you if you don't believe them. They're really just for entertainment purposes, so if you believe them, cool, and if you don't, that's cool too. I did want to mention though, story number two, there's a warning for child abuse. So if you want to avoid stories like that, now you know. Also, sorry if I sound weird. I don't know what's wrong with my voice. My voice feels dead. I haven't even narrated anything yet today, but my voice feels dead. I did spend like an hour on the phone earlier, so maybe that's why. But, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you all enjoy these stories, and let's go ahead and get started. And remember, to always, stay hungry. I'm a male in my early 30s, and I was 14 when this incident happened. It has been almost 20 years ago at this point, but I will never forget this night for as long as I live. For some context, my grandparents lived in a solid gray stone home that they had built in the 1940s, just shortly after my grandfather returned from World War II. It was symbolic to them of the American dream. It was the kind of home that they fully intended to live in for their entire lives. But as time went on, they had built new additions to make it bigger. It therefore had a weird and unique layout. On one side of the house sat two bedrooms, the master and another smaller bedroom. The bedrooms were named for the color theme of the room, with the master bedroom being the blue room and the smaller one being the pink room. Past the bedrooms was a large living room with a creepy ancient grand piano and flowing sheer curtains covering the giant picture window with stained glass in the center that had bathed the room in pink and green sunshine. Most of the creepiness was the large grandfather clock that shook the house with several chimes, which happened every hour on the hour. Past this room was the kitchen and the original front door to the outside. After my father was born, they had added a large creational room for him and his friends. Later, they converted their outdoor garage into a third bedroom and connected it to the house. Needless to say, the third bedroom was about as isolated as you could get in that house. We refer to it as the white room, as it featured an old browning white bedspread, white sheer curtains, and a fading off-white carpet. It had two large walk-in closets that were connected by a long inner hallway. Each side featured large accordion-style doors. My mom worked a lot growing up, so my brother and I spent a lot of time in my grandparents' house. We grew to really love being there, but it wasn't without its share of strange experiences. We would often stay up late in the rec room watching TV, often to be interrupted by strange noises or have that eerie feeling of being watched. Scratches on the walls, phantom footsteps, and creaks. It all just seemed to be part of its charm, and we eventually just stopped paying attention to them. It was a typical Friday night, and being a nerdy and introverted teen who couldn't drive yet, I had spent it in the welcome seclusion of the white bedroom, just playing my Xbox and messing around on the computer. 
as much as dial-up would allow. As I was deep into the game of Elder Scrolls, I had felt a chill run down my spine. I noticed that it was abnormally cold in the room. Not just chilly, but I felt like if it got any colder, I would see my breath. This was especially odd, as it was a hot summer night in southern Illinois, and this room also didn't have any air conditioning, as it used to be a garage. I paused my game, set down the controller, and I rubbed my hands together for warmth, not really sure what to think. Like clockwork, I hear a bang in one of the closets and immediately looked over. To my horror, the accordion doors on one side flew open to then expose the dark closet. I didn't understand how this happened, and I stood there shocked. After a few seconds, I had then convinced myself that it must have been my older brother who had surely snuck into the large closets when I went to use the restroom, or something of that nature just to scare me. I then yelled at him, Hey, get the hell out of there! You're not funny! No response. In fact, the silence was deafening, and the cold stung my skin as goosebumps started to form. I picked up one of the boots that I'd taken off and sat beside the bed. I then threw it at the door as hard as I could. It bounced off and dropped to the floor with a thump, but no other sound. I stared at the door, trying to figure out what was going on and what might happen next, when one side of the accordion door to the closet then rumbled, almost like it was building up to do something. Then it closed and opened up halfway again. Completely freaked out and sure that no one was in there at this point, I bolted out of the bedroom to see my brother sitting quietly in the large rec room, just casually watching a movie on the TV. I then yelled at him to come to the bedroom, I'd struggled to get the words out to describe what had just happened. Skeptical, he immediately rushed in to check it out, and he couldn't wait to tell me how much of a baby I was for being scared of nothing. As he walked over, we heard another rumble. He threw open the closet door, fists balled up, like deep down that he half expected to fight someone, but there was nothing, nothing out of the ordinary inside. He then went to pull the light switch to get a better look. It was the typical light switch you see in old closets and basements. A single light bulb hanging down from the ceiling, with nothing but a shoestring attached to pull and turn it on. He pulled it, and it turned on like normal. But then, it grew brighter and brighter, and then the room continued to grow colder. Until the light went out, with a loud violent electrical pop. It didn't just burn out. It was like he was freaking overcharged or something. Both of us freaked out at this point. We then quickly retreated out of the room and into the kitchen. I slammed the former front door, secluding us from whatever was going on, and my brother and I just looked at each other. Finally, my brother shook his head, clearly about to come up with some demissive comment about the experience. Just then, the grandfather clock chimed three times even though it was 11.37pm, and it only does that on the hour. The room seemed to shake even more than usual, and then, it grew deathly quiet again. Confused as hell at this point, we found no words to say. Just when things couldn't get any more frightening, the silence was broken again by a rapid succession of knocks coming from the other side of the door. 
We barricaded the door, and needless to say, neither of us slept for the rest of the night. As soon as our grandparents woke up, we then rushed to them and explained what happened. We immediately wanted to know if they had ever experienced anything like that in the weird house before. They gave each other a quick glance, and then dismissed our experience and any notion of a haunting or any other supernatural force. My grandma commented on there being no such thing as ghosts or spirits, and my grandfather also chimed in, reminding us that they built the house themselves, with no other owners having been there before to have died. When my mom got off work, we told her the same retelling of the events. However, she then told us something that my grandparents didn't, and for whatever reason, didn't doubt us at all. She very solemnly told us that there had been another tenant in that house just a few years ago. It turns out that when my great-grandfather started getting older and unable to take care of himself, my grandparents offered to help him, and that's when they converted the garage into a third bedroom, and he promptly moved in, filling the large custom closets with his life's possessions. My mom didn't go into much detail. She could tell that we were already tired and freaked out, but she did say that he was bitter about losing his independence and about his declining health as well. He really missed living on his own, fishing, and generally being able to be outdoors. He eventually succumbed to his illness, and he died in that bedroom shortly after moving into their house. I returned to that house later in life, as my grandparents were finally forced to move before everything inside it went to an auction. I walked into the white bedroom, looking eerily unchanged after all these years. The memories of that night from all those years ago immediately came flooding back, prompting me to put pen to pad before it faded away again. Nothing too spooky occurred on that final visit, but as I turned to leave the bedroom, I heard a loud creak from the closet, and I held my breath as I walked over. It was daytime, so I was feeling brave. An old semi-abandoned house is certainly known to creak. I opened the closet, and much to my relief, I didn't see anything, except I happened to notice something on one of the built-in shelves. It held an odd painting on one of the built-in shelves. I took it with me, and I later found out it was a painting by my great-grandfather. One of his last joys in life was painting the beautiful landscapes of nature that he enjoyed over the years. It was a beautiful flowing river with a fisherman casting into it. My family was very confused, as his possessions had been removed ages ago. I like to think being guided to this painting was kind of his way of apologizing for the scare he gave us all those years ago. I don't know if it's true, but that's what it feels like. I'm 52 years old. The time frame this happened when I was 6 to 8 years old. The house and the railway line are now gone. On to the story. My family and I were living in an old rundown mill house. The house is very close to the tracks. Approximately, there was about 250 to 350 feet between the house and the tracks. The house always shook every time a train went by. At some point, the house was converted into apartments. Believe me, this is important. To say that living there was uncomfortable is an understatement. Also, trigger warning, 
my siblings and I dealt with a lot of abuse. The first time I saw the ghost train was in the late spring. My bedroom was the converted kitchen upstairs. The kitchen door was boarded and nailed shut from the below window. My dad did this. He was afraid of me falling out the door. The steps were removed as well. The first sighting was after one of Kathy's inhumane beatings. Kathy was the nanny. I was hiding under my bed curled into a ball. I can't tell you how long I was there for when I then heard the train's whistle. The whistle came in three short bursts. Strange, I know. I slowly crawled out from under the bed and worked my way to the door. I'm not sure what it was, but I'll say I was late. It was so dark, and I was scared. I was afraid that Kathy would hear me again, and that I would be beaten again. I was crouched down in front of the door, and I heard the whistle again. I slowly got up and peeked out of the door window, and I froze. On the track was a train that I could see right through. I just stood there unable to move or look away. It felt like I was standing there for hours, but it was probably only a few minutes in reality. The next thing I see is a pale old man with a black and white striped hat leaning out the engine window. Now I'm terrified. I can see right through him. This is where it starts to get strange. I went from terrified to now calm. It was like all the pain, fear, and confusion just washed all away. His smile was warm and peaceful. He waved, then pulled the whistle, and was gone. I mean, the train engine and him just vanished. I remember getting down and crawling back to my bed. I then grabbed my blanket and pillow, and I went back under my bed. This area was my safe space in my room. Over the course of the summer, I saw the ghost train quite a bit. Then there was a time where my older sister and I saw it together. It was a late summer day. Her name was Gabby, and we were playing in the front yard. We stopped playing when we saw my dad's work car drive itself over the tracks into the driveway. Gabby ran to dad's car. She was freaked out because the engine was hot, and there was no dad driving it. Gabby then went to mom and dad's bedroom window. Gabby yelled to mom that dad's car was hot and now in the driveway. Mom called her a liar. Mom said that dad has been home all day. Therefore, the car couldn't drive itself into the yard. I went to Gabby and I touched her arm, then gently moved her away from the window. We walked to the other side of the driveway and found our raspberry bush. We were picking raspberries when we then heard a whistle. Both of us jumped and then turned around. There they were, Mr. Conductor and his train. He was smiling and waving, but he never spoke. His presence was peaceful. He had the aura of a loving grandfather. It was strange. Gabby and I knew evil. We were living with it, but Mr. Conductor didn't have that energy. During the winter of 1977 to 1978, Gabby and I saw Mr. Conductor and his ghost train in intervals. Looking back at it now, the only variable to seeing him was the level of pain we were in. He seemed to always show up whenever Kathy upped her abuse. The night he almost took us away was a changing point for both Gabby and I. 
Off my bedroom was Gabby's room. You had to walk into my room past the outside door to the back wall. Kathy had tried to drown me. The bathroom was upstairs. To be honest, I'm not really sure how Gabby was able to break the lock of the bathroom. Gabby was about 10 to 11 years old at this time. I was barely with it, and I can still see Gabby in all of her mad glory, running right towards Kathy and nailing her upside the head with a frying pan. Gabby pulled me out of the tub and got me upstairs to the bedroom. She helped me dry off and get my PJs on. Gabby then gently patted my back as I coughed. We both didn't speak, just sat on the floor feeling defeated while playing jacks. We were unable to sleep. I was hoping for my dad to come home. I had really hoped that he would catch her in the act so he could haul her fucking fat ass off to jail. My dad was a police officer, by the way. Mom was a security guard. They both worked nights, hence the need for the psycho nanny. I'm not sure what time it was, but it was late. Both of our parents were working. They usually left home around 11 p.m. My best guess is that it was around 2 in the morning when the rest of this all went down. As Gabby and I sat there, we got startled by a bright light. Then, we heard that familiar whistle. We turned to get up so we could look out the door window. Hold on to my beer. This is where it gets totally fucked up. Now, remember how the outside stairs were removed? The door had gotten all boarded up. Gabby and I watched each nail in the door barricade come out and then hit the floor. We just stood there watching. When the board fell, the door opened. And stepped in Mr. Conductor. We couldn't see through him this time. He appeared as solid as the living. He was smiling. It was a very warm and safe feeling. He held out his arms, and I took Gabby's hand. We were both now walking right towards Mr. Conductor. Gabby and I just started to take his hand, when out of nowhere... I felt an arm around my stomach. I could feel myself being pulled backwards, and I looked over at Gabby. There was an arm around her stomach. Then I got the shock of my life. It was my dad. Right at that moment, I was having trouble believing it was my dad. My dad was supposed to be at work. I can't remember the exact wording, but just that my dad was telling Mr. Conductor that he couldn't have us. We didn't belong to him. My dad said something to the effect of just leave us alone, that he can't have us. My dad then started chant singing as he then walked us backwards down the stairs. My dad then put Gabby and I in the spare bedroom downstairs. Not too long after that night, my mom and dad put the door that separated the two halves and bolted it shut. That was the last time we saw Mr. Conductor in his ghost train. Also, just to clarify, we're Native American. And this didn't happen on the res. As for the psycho nanny, she ended up getting away with all of the abuse. Gabby and I were just so terrified of that bitch. Anyway, we tried to let dad know what was happening. But psycho nanny Kathy would always peek her demon twisted fat fucking face around the corner and glare at us. The next night our parents worked, she would then punish us for the attempted tattling. Gabby and I do have brothers as well. I didn't mention them before because neither of them saw Mr. C in his train. 
There's a lot more paranormal experiences I can write about, and I probably will in time. I've been diagnosed with PTSD from the abuse I experienced, and what I had to witness. I'm still dealing with the physical trauma to this day. I hope one day that the four feathers will all come together to teach love and let us all heal. Great blessings to you all. Be safe out there. When I was about 15, I lived in a neighborhood of townhouses, so I had a very limited amount of space to have my room situated. Thus, a big-ass closet was made into my room. The closet was situated downstairs, the darkest place of the entire house. There was a little natural light sleeping in, as there was only storm windows on that floor, not to mention there were no bright lights other than the ones for in my room. So, pretty much at night, the downstairs was completely pitch black. This detail is necessary to understand the fear that I felt in this story. At this age, I was taking care of my sister's cat, Simba. On that night, as most nights, I had him sleeping on my bed. He would usually lay near my side, so I know he was with me in bed because I felt his weight on my blanket. I was up particularly late that night playing Pokemon on DS, and that wasn't allowed, so I had earbuds in. Needless to say, I was heavily distracted. Simba was laying down by my side as usual, and I was just enjoying my game. Since I was so distracted, I had barely noticed Simba on my bed. I tended to keep my volume a bit lower, just so I could hear if my dad woke up, in which case I tucked the DS under my pillow, so I have it just low enough to hear the sounds outside of the game. Suddenly, during a gym battle, I heard scratching from outside of my door. I immediately got out of bed because I thought that I had locked Simba out of my room on accident. I opened the door, but there was nothing. I looked behind me, and I then saw Simba laying comfortably on my bed. Naturally, I instantly looked in confusion. Simba's right there. What could that scratching be? I looked upstairs, as my dad's room is situated right at the top of the stairwell. I saw that his door was closed meaning he was asleep. No one else was in the house, as my sister got kicked out a while ago before I started taking care of Simba. Needless to say, this scared me a little bit, but I kind of just shrugged it off and shut the door. I kept playing my game, petting Simba in the process. Of course, I just couldn't forget what just happened. I thought about it again and how weird it was that I heard specifically scratching. My dad's clearly asleep, and it'd be really weird for him to do something like that anyways. He would have just opened my door if he heard that I was on the DS. I decided to keep one earbud out after a bit, listening for any sounds. I kept petting Simba, until suddenly, Simba froze. I did too. The scratching came back. This time, however, it was way more aggressive. It wasn't subtle and quick like before. This time it lasted for like a solid 30 seconds. In my mind, I was just thinking, there's literally no sensible explanation for this. It didn't end here, though. After this happened, I heard something get knocked over off the TV stand in my living room, which was right outside of my room. I could hear a distinct clang, 
meaning that the metal bowl holding some display pine cones was then knocked over. This wasn't a super light bowl either, so I froze up again. Not just the scratching existed, but it was followed up by this noise. Somehow, I mustered up the courage to grab a toy knife by my bedside. I knew this wouldn't do anything, but I wanted something to at least protect me. I opened the door, and once again, nothing was there. And like I said, the downstairs was terrifying at night. Only the smallest shine of moonlight faded into the room, so I could see an outline of the bowl on the ground. I put it back on the TV stand and ran back into my room, shutting the door quietly. Suffice to say, I didn't sleep that night. I'm now 20 years old, and I think back to this story a lot. I still can't think of a rational explanation for everything that happened that night. I'm not much of a believer in the paranormal, but this incident in particular really stuck with me. It's the one thing I'll never be able to explain out of all the ghost experiences I've had.